Hi, my name is Natalie Orofici, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Women in Scripture podcast. This podcast has been inspired by the God Who Speaks campaign. I will be inviting lots of different women to come and speak about the women in the Bible who inspire them and who speak to their hearts today. Well, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Catherine Entignac. I hope I pronounced that correctly. If you'd just like to introduce yourself to the listeners, please, Catherine. Yes, thank you very much, Natalie. Well, I'm Catherine Ensignap, and I was thrilled when uh, Natalie invited me to speak of one of the great women of the Bible. And when I was reflecting on it, uh, I didn't take very long at all to come to my conclusion and to follow my instincts, really. And it was to go to Mary, Mary of Magdala. And in fact, when I was reflecting, I remembered that I'd chosen her as my confirmation saint at the very tender age of eight. I had actually come from a very large Catholic family, and so we were allowed to receive the sacraments early. I was the fifth of seven children, so I made my Holy Communion at five and my confirmation at seven stroke eight. And it was a natural step, really. People tried to dissuade me from Mary Magdalene, and I didn't know why, but I stuck to it. And when I was confirmed, I had a great sense, and I couldn't explain it then, a sense, a spiritual sense, as I did at my first Holy Communion, of presence, presence. Anyway, Mary Magdalene's inspiration and influence, she's always been present in my life in different ways. And... It's the reflection that I've realised present where I wasn't um, aware of it. It's in retrospect. It's when looking back on the pathway of the, of the journey that I've travelled. The child who chose her name went on from school, a good convent school. I wasn't one of the good girls, I incidentally. <laughs> and I continued my studies and then I was at drawn school in London. And then I went to work for a year at the Catholic uh, radio and television centre in Hatch End. My father had organised it to try and keep me on the state, you know, the straight and narrow. So that would tell you what sort of child I was um, and young person. Anyway, I did love it there and I learned all forms of technical and various skills of broadcasting. So I was able to get into the BBC and start my training uh, dreaming of either front of screen or director or whatever. It was a stepping stone of fulfilling my worldly ambitions and worldly they were. So I was working in TV and shift work and recording studios in London. There seemed to be little time for religious practice that I grew up with. And uh, my faith journey, well, it sort of froze. It got stuck. And... Uh, life in the fast lane of London didn't help. So in this period of my life, I've, I felt a vacuum. I was searching for love, the love of God, and I didn't really find him present in the pre-Vatican II church of my experience. And I knew plenty about judgment and sin. It seemed to take the, the headlines, really. I think it was the God of mercy that I was searching for. And 
he was absent. And as for meeting his son, Jesus, he seemed a distant apparition. So at that stage in my thinking and in my life, if one didn't practice religion following its rules, one was in a state of mortal sin. And was a sinner indeed. A Mary Magdalene, a sinner. And I was a sinner who yet had to repent. A sinner who was to meet her Lord Jesus and receive his mercy, forgiveness and follow him. So she became closer to me and I felt her more. So it was her story that drew me back very slowly to this desire, this longing, to a place where I could do what she did. I could encounter Jesus. I could meet him. She, Mary Magdalene, who was one of Jesus's most celebrated, inspired me to search for this encounter, which I really had no idea of. So who was this person? I had to think. And um, when Natalie asked me to, to speak about her, I thought, well, I love to speak from my heart, but let's just check that my heart's saying the right thing. So I, I did research her and the thing that, that came up most prominently in all the reputable sources was that Mary's life was surrounded by debate. Mm. What we know of her is that she was a diligent follower of Jesus and that's who I wanted to be. She is believed to have been of Jewish descent and though her culture and her manners were more reflected in a Gentile way, we believe that all the sources believed, and all of them agreed, that her name uh, came from the place where she lived, Magdala. It was a village, a fishing village, and she was known as the Magdalene. So that's, that's who she was. And she was a follower and believed to have been a, a wealthy woman who heard Jesus and followed. Now, the Western Church, uh, due to Pope Gregory's homily in the, the sixth century, his homily said that she was the repentant sinner. And this view became generally accepted in Western Christianity. And actually, this was the view that I identified with. I identified with the sinner, the one who had been away and who didn't know. But she was also, in Pope Gregory's sermon, was referred to as Mary from Bethany, and also the, the anonymous sinner with the perfume in Luke's Gospel. So all three, the discussion is about all three of these Marys referred to in the scriptures as being one and the same Mary. And, and Pope Gregory summarized that this was the case. So, so the Western Church believed this, but I have to say this, the Eastern Church didn't. Sorry, Natalie. No, but there continues to be lots of debate as to whether those other Marys, the, the Mary with the perfume, was Mary of Magdala, and it depends who you read as to whether they agree. Yeah, exactly. Or not. Yeah, and in one of the sources, and one that Natalie sent me, thank you, there is a priest writer, who I will not name, who believes that Pope Gregory was mm -hmm. correct. And many other scripture scholars uh, refute that belief. And in fact, um, 
The Eastern Orthodox religion, who never accepted it, only saw her as a devoted disciple of Christ. And of course, you get the uh, the media, the theatre, joining in with their aspects because the stories bring great drama and the speculation of who she was is of great interest. So you've got the writers of the Da Vinci Code, you've got the films made, where they take the listener, the, the audience, to a place where perhaps they could think a different viewpoint. But in the past 40 years, the, the church, the magisterium of the church have recognised, and it was at the end of Vatican II, that Mary actually was a holy woman and although she still continues to be an object of fascination both to religious devotees and again you know again in the media the secular world still is attracted to her and perhaps that's why I was attracted to her was because I was in a place in the secular world so who knows how the spirit works it's fascinating that you were attracted to her as a seven-year-old child. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure didn't know the rumours around her possible immorality when you were when you were seven and you chose her as your patron. You know um, that instinctive choice, Natalie, of Mary Magdalene and my confirmation saints, uh, I believe, was the Holy Spirit. Was the, that sense, that presence? Further along my journey, in retrospect, I recognise things that I didn't know how to put a word or a name to. But I definitely believe that that was the Holy Spirit drawing me back to a place or to a place where I would become what God had intended me to be. A long journey. And the attraction and the inspiration of her. Why was I attracted? Um, I think it was perhaps the controversy as being the sort of child and young person that always enjoyed challenge. I enjoyed challenge. I enjoyed to challenge verbally. I enjoyed the fact or working with children, which a lot of my career has been and young people, I enjoyed bouncing off the boundaries. I enjoyed that place of being, being able to say why why and investigate and go deeper so why did she attract me why did she inspire me well I think it was the fact that she and certainly as an older woman she was a woman before her time she was uh, a mover and shaker she was somebody who would would go to a place that perhaps others wouldn't she was a leader and she was definitely a woman before her time definitely and I suppose, as I travelled further, searching for this love that I've spoken about earlier, it was that devotion, that passion, but more than anything, it was the, um, the loyalty that attracted me. She was so loyal to Jesus. I wanted to find out what made her stay at the foot of the cross. I wanted to find the great love that was born out. I wanted to meet the greatest love of God himself, that, that love of mercy and forgiveness. Because remember, at this stage, I still believed that the repentant sinner, that the story around her the, was the truth. But in a way, 
that did its work with me. And I, I will believe that to the academics to refute or not. Mm. But to me, that spoke as I grew further on my journey and I did have my personal encounter. The thing that brought me closer to her was that personal encounter in me was shown in a passion and a fire to evangelize. And it was then that I identified with Mary even more deeply, even more deeply. This woman who was forgiven much, loved much, she, and only she, she was chosen to announce the resurrection to the other apostles. And for a first century woman, that was remarkable, absolutely remarkable. She was a woman in a man's world, a woman in a man's world. I find it amazing that she's the very first witness and at that time, a woman wouldn't have even been a witness in a court because it was such a man's world. And here we have her giving that power and authority by Jesus himself to go and announce that he is risen. Yes. Yeah. And yet there she was at the foot of the cross and all Jesus's male disciples, apart from John, had abandoned him. Mm journey to, to Golgotha, they'd gone. But she was loyal. She was loyal to the end. And she stood at the foot of the cross, witnessing her beloved Lord's crucifixion. Yes. And uh, somehow that inspiration of that, that loyalty, what, how did she get that great love? And that great love, I began to understand more deeply when I had my encounter, because it's love itself. And that is the point where one only begins to understand in one's head how one's heart is being stretched to receive. Yeah, and the bit about her being a prostitute, well, that did stick for centuries. And Pope Gregory's pronouncement of her as a sinful woman is, is something that, you know, the magisterium, we, we all were led to believe. As you said, Natalie, there's a myth still surround this figure, Mary mm. Magdalene, today. And great love is often surrounded with great mystery. Our church, the magisterium, our faith. There are places that we go to with our heads, but tradition itself tells us this is a mystery in some of the truths. It is a mystery. And much surrounds her as still a mystery. And this great woman, the first evangelist, has been with me and I felt her in many, many ways in, in my life. She's and a great exa example to show us that obviously she was a sinner, as we all we all are sinners. And there is a great mystery as you revealed about to what what exactly were her sins. We, we don't we don't know. But she gives us great courage to know that you can still you can go to Jesus being a great sinner. He obviously showed her so much love that she wouldn't leave his side. You know, he, she was at the foot of the cross. So she gives us great hope. We don't need to run away in shame when we sin. We need to run towards Jesus like she did. And that's exactly how that did happen in my life. And so that personal encounter uh, didn't happen in a way, it was a charismatic way, but it wasn't through a charismatic process. Mm -hmm. And it happened at a time when I was a, a much younger woman in my 30s. And I went to a confession that 
I hadn't been. I had been away from what I would call the the practice of my faith for many years. And I went to a confession and the priest prayed over me in a language that wasn't Greek or Latin. And I didn't know what that language was. I later to discover, as my journey continued, that I was prayed over in tongues. And I had the most amazing Pauline experience. Amazing. And uh, it, um, it changed me internally. And uh, from being someone who felt outside religious practice, it gave me a first and a love for the Eucharist and Mass that has never left me, the Holy Mass. But I didn't contrive it or, you know, one could say, because I'm somebody who has a history and a, a career in, in theatre and media and education, and I could have made it happen through my imagination and creativity. But I came the other way around. I came through a structured magisterium church confession by a priest who had been anointed in the charismatic gifts. And I searched and I journeyed and I continued to search. And the more people on my journey that I met, I discovered that forgiveness was the key, that they were forgiven and mercy was the key. And I was seeing a uniformity. It was non-judgmental love. And it was a passion of love for the Lord, wanting to follow him, wanting to receive love and give love to others. This was a common factor. They had been forgiven. Like Mary Magdalene, as I was taught, the great sinner had sinned so much, had been forgiven so much, so she loved so much. And that just was me, really. That was me. So I was called from that point of encounter to be an evangelist, but it wasn't really my style. I was a woman of, of the world, a woman who was used to presenting and a woman who would perform on stage and be part of the fun group. And then I was led by the Holy Spirit to use how God had made me, to use those gifts of performance, of speech, of laughter, of love, of fun, and connection with people. And uh, the Holy Spirit formed a, a theatre company called Interchurch Productions. And so that's been going 22 years or whatever. So the Spirit has brought people to Christ, many people, there are many stories, through belonging, through the one simple prayer said at the beginning of rehearsal and one at the end, the subject matter we perform and the community of love that we are when we do it and the joy the joy we have, for we have the good news. And so if you have the good news, it's amazingly joyful. So that's how Mary Magdalene has been. And, and when we did uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, one of the, the many productions we've done, these big musicals, I really felt her physically there in the performance part. When she was singing that song, I don't know why I love him. And, and I know that she came to know why she loved him. And I know why I love him, he who is love. So how she, how has she affected me? She's still with me because I'm human and I sin, but I am more aware of it. But let's hope that my love is greater than my sin. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it is. Not that I can claim to know your sins, but you do have a great, great love. So why would you say that she is still relevant today? What could we learn from her today? Well, actually, I think it's her perseverance. You know, if she was the woman 
who anointed Jesus with tears. And if she was the woman who was exorcised of the seven devils, she got to a point where she recognized that she needed something and she didn't give up. And until she met the person who she needed, who was Jesus, the love, and she received that forgiveness until she was healed, but she didn't give up, she persevered. And the perseverance of her, her vocation in the worlds of men who had far superior status, it can be related to the woman's struggles in this 21st century. Although things have improved greatly in many parts of the world, there's still that struggle. And I can't think of her name, that young woman who was in the eastern part of the world where she was shot. She was shot in the head for women's education. But I think everybody listening will know she persevered. She was making a statement publicly for what was needed. Thinking about it and believing it isn't enough. We need to act. You know, we need to know the word, the scripture, the truth, and we need to act on it. And Mary Magdalene acted and she carried on persevering until she had that forgiveness. And when that forgiveness came from Jesus, she stayed. That love was so immense. She was at the foot of the cross and she was rewarded by Jesus when she went to the tomb, still passionate, still persevering. She didn't recognize him and we don't. And I didn't recognize her presence in my life until I looked in retrospect further along. It was the calling of her name. When she was called by Jesus himself, she recognized him. And that love that she had, that great love exploded again. I believe she had another experience, another feeling of the Holy Spirit. She was rushed to tell Peter, the other apostles. She became the apostle to apostles. The church recognizes that. It does. I, I, which is just unheard of. A woman became an apostle to the apostles by rushing out. And she must have been so confident. And, you know, the apostles didn't believe her. And like you refer to, she, she perseveres. She doesn't give in and think, oh, well, nobody believes me. I'll, I won't talk about it any longer. And often we have that same journey in our lives and we try to share our faith. And people can look at us like we're completely crazy, but we can't give up. Jesus wants us to share who he is. Yeah, and actually it was um, in my research, I actually made a note of this. It was Thomas Aquinas who called her, gave her the title, the great doctor of the church, who who said she was the apostle of the, the apostles. And that was said, you know, many centuries ago. So there is much discussion. There is much controversy. There is much mystery around her. But for today, you know, although Mary Magdala of Magdala was that first century woman with no status, she had been recognised as, you know, the first female disciple to the resurrection. And the church, the magisterium has recognised her. But Mary, you know, that perseverance came from her heart. And the heart had been stretched and filled with the Spirit of God. Her passion was set on fire. You know, we think of the Holy Spirit as the wind, but we think of him as fire. And we think of passion. And St. Augustine talks about the passions and how we can use them, the fire of the Spirit. And she continued. She followed her heart and she did it publicly, which definitely was countercultural. So it's when we speak out, as you said, Natalie, it's when we try to, or when we have the courage to, another gift of the Holy Spirit, a confirmation. We've all got it, courage. Yes. Do we use it? Do we use it, Natalie? Not Sometimes. often enough. <laughs> yeah. 
but she used that courage to proclaim that good news and we all have that good news we know that good news and you know some of the last words of the mass are go out and tell the status of women now i've just been reading again about wonderful book that um, my daughter gave me actually for mother's day let us dream you know written Francis, yeah. Let us dream a pathway to a better future. And there is in the section a time to choose. And I believe we are in this time to choose. And I believe that the synodal process is the chance to speak and the chance to choose and to think what we're going to choose. But he says this. I'll just read a very small bit, if I may, very short. Pope Francis is saying, assigns something that, that stands out and strikes us. A sign of hope. And Mary Magdalene carried the hope to the apostles. The sign of hope in this crisis, and believe you me, that crucifixion was a crisis. All those thousands who'd followed their Messiah, he was now dead. So that hope of the resurrection, that proof of the resurrection, that sign was given to a woman. So Pope Francis is saying that a sign of hope in this crisis of COVID, this crisis of this pandemic that's turned the world upside down, is the leading role of women. This is the Pope writing this. Women have been at this time among most affected and most resilient in this crisis. Affected because they're most likely to be on the front line of the pandemic. About 70% of all those working in healthcare worldwide are women, but also because they're harder hit economically whilst working in the informal and unpaid sector. What does this sign invite us to think about? What might the spirit be saying? And I think of the strength of the women in the gospel following the death of Jesus. They weren't paralyzed by the tragedy nor did they flee. For the love of the master, they went to the tomb to anoint him. Like so many women in this pandemic, they were able to hold it together to get around obstacles in their path and keep hope alive in their families and in their communities. Because they did so, they were the first. She was the first to receive the astonishing news. It's from Matthew. He is not here, for he has been raised. That's Matthew 28, 6. Still Pope Francis speaking. The Lord first announced the new life to women because they were present, attentive and open to new possibilities. Could it be that in this crisis, the perspective of women bring what is what the world needs at this time to face all its coming challenges? Thank you, Saint Pope Francis. Thank you, Pope Francis. Know that the church has to do that. A prophetic Pope again. Wonderful. That's wonderful. And back in 2016, Pope Francis elevated the memorial of Saint Mary Magdalene. Indeed. To a feast, so we should all celebrate that feast. Exactly. The 22nd of July, I should add. We should all, of course, remember St. Mary Magdalene all year and her great example, but don't forget her wonderful feast. And that is the status of festival, of joy, a feast, a feast, a time of joy to celebrate St. Mary Magdalene, the repentant sinner who found both forgiveness 
and friendship with our Lord. She stood faithfully at the cross and she who saw the risen Lord, she continues to bring that resurrection and to inspire others and particularly me. And I think she has a great relevance to the 21st century and in particular to the established church. Well, thank you so, so much for revealing so much of yourself and St. Mary Magdalene and her wonderful relationship with Jesus and her perseverance in that. Maybe we'll use her example of perseverance in our relationship with him too. And I usually end by including something to read because we want people not just to listen to the podcast, but to go and to delve into the scriptures and read about these women. Now, Mary Magdalene appears in all four Gospels, but when I spoke to Catherine at the beginning, we both agreed that her meeting Jesus when, when he is resurrected and appears to her, and that is John 20, 1 to 18. Thank you again, Catherine. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you, Natalie. And and I hope that she's able to speak to others how she's spoken to me. Thank you very much for listening to the Women in Scripture podcast with me, Natalie Orofici. If you would like to have some extra reading and resources, then go to the Archdiocese of Birmingham website and look at the Women in Scripture podcast page. To enjoy hearing more of the Women in Scripture podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. I hope you can join us next time. Thank you.